You know, I used to serve fast food as a treat, but now fast food is more than a once-in-a-while thing. That's why I serve Kentucky Fried Chicken more and more. The kids love it, and I know they're eating well. It's made from the highest quality chicken, cooked with the Colonel's finger-licking good recipe of 11 herbs and spices. It's so nice. You know, and now, it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The following program is made possible with the assistance of a grant from SNH Green Stamps. Buff Bourguignon, French beef stew in red wine. We're going to serve it with braised onions and mushrooms and a wine dark sauce. It's a perfectly delicious dish. Oh. Uh-huh. So we could put in a little more tomato paste or a little more thyme. In this case, we're fortunately find it's just right. Now for the thickening of it. Now we want to get our pan hot and we're going to saute it in this first until it's brown and then we're going to put it in this pot in which we're going to cook it in the oven. Now this is going to go in a 325 oven and it should cook very, very slowly just at the bare simmer. And once it's in, except for checking the oven to make sure that it isn't bubbling and boiling. You don't have to look at it anymore. Then all let the sauce drain out. And then we simply put the stew back into the casserole. There. You want the flavor of the onions and the beef to all blend themselves with the stew. That's going a little too hard, so I'll put it at the side. There. In about two or three minutes, if you have it in the ice box, you heat it up very slowly and baste the meat with the sauce. And then, and then you cover it and, and simmer it very slowly for about two or three minutes until everything is tender and hot through. Well, now this is ready to serve right now. Lads, ladies, and luscious listeners, welcome to Eat It and Beat It on the Two True Freaks Network. I'm your chambermaid, Sooty Bottoms. My pillows are fluffed and ready for your face. Hello and welcome to Eat It, a podcast, well, a half podcast about food. I am one of your co-hosts. I am Mr. Well, not Mr. Let's just say Colonel Harlan Slanders. And I am here with Sammy Supersized. It's glandular, okay? It's, it's not my fault. It's genetic. Uh-huh. And uh, we are here... With the, the second part of our topic that was just too big to be compa- contained in a half-hour show of uh, fast food. Yeah, and I, this is our uh, this is actually our second two-parter, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we, the, the, the first two-parter was an easy one just because we recorded so much it was too long for... 
This, and this one was just, just a, a topic that needed to be revisited on both ends, actually. So yeah, here we, we, we covered the burger end of fast food fairly decently last time, so we're going to catch a lot of the other stuff this time. Yeah, we are, because uh, fast food is important to everyone, especially people like us who are... Uh, fa fast food, to me, was always associated with watching some of my favorite... TV shows for me it was I was uh, when Next Generation was on. It was always since I was such a nerd, could never get a date. It was always my Friday night thing was the Next Generation and order some Chinese takeout, and that's what I did every every time the Next Generation was on. That sounds so, pretty awesome. <laughs> it, it was pretty awesome. It, uh, the only thing that would have been better is I would have had a damn girlfriend at the time, but not to happen. But it was fun, and uh, and God, I. Fast food is—is is it like a, a dirty little secret? Do you think for for a lot of people, or just? I don't know. Even know if it's a secret as much as it is just a dirty little reality. Yeah. For everybody perfect. now, you know, except that for the people who totally shun it, you know. And I did for a while. I had I had a gallbladder condition where I wasn't eating any fat, so I just stayed away from fast food because there's really nothing you can eat there that isn't slathered in fat. So I went like two or three years easily without ever setting foot in a McDonald's. And then it might have been longer because after two or three, after two years I started basically eating as normal again. But I avoided McDonald's because it was just the low end of... I always picture McDonald's as the low end of fast food. It's the more processed and lumpy <laughs> sort of food. But I'm back on the McDonald's wagon now. Well, that McDonald's is great, but we're going to hit... Uh, two places that we think is, we think is probably the, the next uh, step in the fast food uh, evolution or fast food popularity. One of these places I don't personally care for. I don't go to very much, if ever. My my wife loves it, but I won't go there. And the other one, I I, I gotta tell you, I love it. You so love it. so yeah. So uh, I'll let you pick uh, where where you want to start us off with. I'm. I'm going to try to guess which one you love. Okay. And is that Taco Bell? No. It's not Taco Bell. See, I consider, I, I think Taco Bell set my people back 2,000 years. All right. Well, okay, good. <laughs> but, We're on the same page as Taco Bell. Cause okay, well, I, I picked that because it seems like the rest of the world like puts Taco Bell on the top of this holy mountain. They do. And, you know, coming growing up in California where I did, we were always around... I'm going to say real Mexican food, taco trucks, real Mexican restaurants. Now, from your experience and where you grew up, did you have a lot of Mexican food around? or We had zero Mexican so, food, including Taco Bell. So would you be, would you be, safe, would be safe to say that Taco Bell, for a majority or for a lot of people in the country, is their only source of, of Mexican food? Or... I don't know anymore, though. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, in the last 20 years, re like, uh, and I'm saying real Mexican food, there's there's tiers, of, there's a lot more Mexican food and, and awareness of Mexican cuisine in America. And I, I'm trying to, Rick Bayless, I think was his yeah, name, yeah, on yeah. Uh, PBS, had a lot to do with that, probably. And, uh, then so it's developed like almost like 
you know, Asian food, you know, Chinese food especially, where there's like every town now has a quote unquote real Mexican place and, and, and we're saying real Mexican because it's real compared to say Taco Bell. But there, you, if you go to one of those real Mexican places in almost any town in the country, it's going to be about the same. It's good, and it's way better than Taco Bell, but they've come up with a sort of uniform sort of Mexican cuisine that goes over well with Americans, you know. And yeah. you know you're going to go into that restaurant, and this is very much like the one that I worked at, except our food was definitely several steps better but you know you come in and they're going to bring you some chips you know and they're going to have a selection of tacos burritos and enchiladas you know basically now was taco bell your first introduction to mexican food you said there wasn't one even where you grew up no my introduction to mexican food was packs of you know the 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 cardboard pack of Ortego taco shells oh, with the God, taco God. seasoning in it, and, that, and we would eat that, you know, with with some taco sauce, you know, some Ortega taco sauce and uh, chopped up lettuce and and tomato and cheese, and that was. And then we went to visit our cousins in Denver, and and. My and that was the first time I'd had a flour tortilla, and my really? aunt made soft tacos, and she would fry the flour tortilla for a couple seconds in a pan, and that was like mind blowing to my sister and I. We were like, "This is amazing," and that was about all the. That was about all anything that I had to do with Mexican food, except I made burritos like at the student cafeteria sometimes when I worked there you know just you know crappy out of a can burrito ingredients and until I got the job in the real Mexican restaurant <laughs> and and then you know I entered a whole different you know my my entire concept of everything like that was completely changed now correct me if I'm wrong but if you let's say that you're someone that their whole life they've their, you know, their idea of Mexican food is Taco Bell. The first time that that person tastes real Mexican food, do you think they're going to look at it and go, ooh, this is not like Taco Bell at all. I'm not sure if I like this. Oh, for sure. Definitely. It's, yeah, I get that idea, too. I've actually experienced that. Uh, the good thing about Mexican food is real Mexican food, not, not, not to knock Taco Bell, but real Mexican food can actually be something that you can get on the go prepared pretty quickly if you find the right place. Uh, there's some great little Mexican restaurants in my hometown that actually have drive-throughs, and you can get the real stuff. Oh, sure, taco trucks, so they can be considered. You can get good Mexican fast food, and you can get Taco Bell. That's why. That's why I one. That's why I don't know what the deal is with Taco Bell because they could be healthy. They uh, they could be healthier with the same quality of ingredients and make it taste better and it would probably be cheaper but they have this like i i you know i think people get used to the the just sort of pasteurized processed you know it's going to be exactly the same every place that you go it appeal it's 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 yummy food that little kids like that people associate with their childhood and I think that's why, ta I mean, 
it, it appeals to that like frat boy part of people's brains with food where it's just like oh yeah how much you know it, that's why taco bell ads today are like you like your taco we put it inside the soft shells has a hard shell inside cheese on all you know on all side and people go like oh yeah you know i like cheese i like all that stuff put it all together on one thing you know and it, it appeals to that just sort of like i and and i think drinking has a lot to do with it absolutely especially judging by the saltiness of the food yeah well the amazing thing about about taco bell uh to me is i mean we have to go back and we have to picture uh, America, that that Mexican food wasn't wasn't eaten by anyone that, that wasn't Mexican, and Taco Bell was actually it was founded by a guy named Glenn Bell. <laughs> yeah, this guy, uh, Glenn Bell, and he started out with a hot dog stand. And it was called Bell's Drive-In, and it was in San Bernardino, California. And we're talking 1946. The guy was 23 years old. And he branched out into Bell's hamburgers around 1950, and uh, then all of a sudden he he decided to to try something new, and he went ahead and uh, opened a restaurant called El Taco, and that kind of took off. And it and, and it, later on he changed the name, of course, why not to Taco Bell, and it was in California where. You know, you could have where there was a big Hispanic community. I'm not sure if the Hispanics community actually ate there, but it was he probably learned a little bit about Mexican food and he gave it a shot and it took off. And, you know, the rest is history. And like and like you had mentioned, I don't think that that he could or they were or today they'd be willing to change the recipe because if they did, it wouldn't be Taco Bell anymore, you know. And people probably wouldn't wouldn't dig it. I mean, it has its own unique taste, and and a lot of the stuff that they come up with is pretty much unheard of, <laughs> like a chalupa. I'm not sure if that's even a real. Uh, I think a real that's mix. something they made up. Yeah, exactly. But but it is, people love it. What I always remember about Taco Bell as a kid, being my father was Mexican, he wouldn't go to Taco Bell. But the only reason that he would take me to Taco Bell was I wanted the glasses. Do you remember the cartoon glasses that you could get at restaurants like Taco Bell? Oh, yeah. or they were real glasses and they had cartoon characters on them. They may have had Bugs Bunny, they had all the Warner Brothers. Now they're, you see them all over the flea markets and some of them are actually worth some money, but that was the only reason he would take me to Taco Bell was so that I can get a Bugs Bunny glass to add to my collection, which I still have, by the way. I must have about, 50 different cartoon character glasses and uh, that was that was my experience with Taco Bell and of course I had a girlfriend who would like the Mexican pizza that they made that I think was just a flour tortilla deep fried yeah. with cheese and beans instead of sauce and and uh, slathered on it a tostada and, basically <laughs> basically a tostada but a Mexican pizza would definitely appear uh, appeal to the uh, to the to the Caucasian population. Yeah, Taco Bell is smart because everything is assembled from the same ingredients. It's just variations of all the same things. You know, cor corn chips, mm -hmm. flour tortillas, beans, rice, meat, 
and cheese sauce, you know, and then your lettuce, you know, your basic condiments, your Mexican condiments. And that's it. That's what everything is made of. I, they're making fries now, I guess. They're going to no. fries, yeah. Wait, I think I saw a commercial. They're like nacho fries, I think, that they, they, they call them. I think they're fries that may have some nacho cheese spice on them or something like that. I think they got sick of people trying to order fries at Taco Bell. Well, I, I spoke to my friend, uh, Lee, who I asked him, I said, look, be honest with me. Have you been to Taco Bell, had the Dorito shell taco? He says, you know, quietly, yes. <laughs> How is it? I love it. <laughs> I heard it was terrible. That's what I heard. The, but... only, problem, the only problem he had with it is is um, you take one bite and it basically explodes. Yeah. 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 And I'm asking him a lot of questions. Like, does it taste like Dorito? Yes, it does. Just, but what, what's in it? And he goes, you know what's in it. You're Mexican. I'm not that type of Mexican. We don't eat Taco Bell. I want to know what 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 you think. So he he it's, he it's loved a regular it. taco with 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 Dorito flavor powder on it. <laughs> well, they they're uh, they're shot at 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 trying to make a breakfast. You know, now everyone has to have a breakfast sandwich. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I think that the only one that has it right is is McDonald's. I've, I've tried Burger King's breakfast sandwich, terrible. For a while, Taco Bell uh, had the the waffle taco or something like that that they experimented with for a while. It didn't last very long. It was gone. Uh, they probably just have a, like a breakfast burrito, which is which is which is one of my favorite breakfast actually i could totally dig oh, mcdonald's has a breakfast burrito now too. in certain markets i think in certain markets they don't but if but if you have a market that has a, a significant hispanic population you can um you can get the breakfast burrito over well, there and that's what... here's the thing is that people want people want stuff in burrito shells now because the the people who are like trying to go like low carb the 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 kind of uh Carbs in a in a in a wrap or a tortilla shell are, are less less evil than say a bun. So oh yeah, there's a lot of people on diets who want the want the wrap instead of the bun. So and one of the best things about burritos is they're very user friendly to eat. You can if you get a, a burrito from a Mexican shop, it's always wrapped in foil. You can unpeel that foil not unlike a banana take a bite unpeel the foil a little bit more take a bite and it's it's fast food that's convenient yep. i think that if you, if you get the bread table, it's just a variation of bread so no matter what's in it it's still it, it doesn't make everything that you put in it mexican you know so you can yeah. put a cheeseburger in there and it's like cheese it's a easier to eat cheeseburger to go and stuff like that yeah, a wrap is just a tortilla. I don't care. They they, they stole it from the Mexicans. They stole wrap yeah. from. It's a tortilla, and and we put up with it. I mean, let's say, if the if the Italians wouldn't put up with somebody saying, "Hey, let's have a little bread." We call it bread with tomato sauce. It's a pizza. Yeah. Come on. And yeah, the Italians yeah. wouldn't put up with it. We just put up with it. It's copyright infringement on us, for sure. But now you now you're going to Taco Bell. What what do you order? Do you have, or are you all over the place? It, it depends. I'm all over the place. I mean, 
literally it's all the same stuff so it's almost like okay how, how what what textures do i want you know do i want crunchy textures and i'll usually get like one of the like combo meals where i'll get a a soft shell taco a hard shell taco and maybe and you know like a um i don't know what they call the tostadas there if they call them tostadas but you know just that the there'll be the little heart hard tortilla with beans and cheese and it's all the same stuff <laughs> you made and sometimes part. I get the cinnamon the fried you know little cinnamon things for for dessert well you made a good point when you said that the food's all over the place one of the smart things that I think they do is is now I don't eat this but my friends that do they have like a taco that is wrapped in a flour tortilla, so you're getting te you're getting different textures, yeah. and that's what people like. In or at least that's what I like in, in all food. I I'm a big texture person. I like to so you're biting into the the taco and you're getting the, the flour tortilla. Then you're getting that crunch. So it's it's a lot going on, and I and I like that. And then there's mush under the crunch. There's mush under the crust. I like that in a uh, in food, and 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 it's all what you said is perfect. It's all the same stuff. It's just a different combination of all this stuff. The fried burrito, all right. No, that's. I, I mean, even a sit-down Mexican restaurant is the same thing. It's a, yep. one steam table with rice, beans, all your meats, and basically that's it you know and then a cold line of cheese lettuce tomatoes and and stuff like that a big vat of salsa you you crave the meat you know taco bell the meat that they use is probably mostly soy i would think and but it's it's that texture and that taste that i think people crave i think if they were to ever change the recipe you it wouldn't be as popular because I remember as a kid when I did go I did always like the beef just a simple beef burrito that's what I liked and and I and I always liked the texture of the meat it was always different from eating a hamburger and it was always different from eating ground beef because I guess it was Taco Bell it was just it's just cooked till it's cr the smallest crumbles that it can be yeah. you know so it's not you don't you don't bite into it and get a piece of grisly meat. It's all just this like puree, almost like hot sauce meat. You know, they just yeah. kept cooking it and chopping it. Seems like till till it's all this uniform, almost almost paste, but still has some grain to it. <laughs> well, all of my friends, Taco Bell was their favorite place to go if they got a case of the munchies. That's what they would want. Taco, Taco Bells were always open later too, so yeah. that they yeah, always open later. And if they got a case of the Munchies, man, Taco Bell. If they were drunk, Taco, Taco Bell's Bell. also super cheap too. Exactly. You you could definitely eat a lot at a very low price. You over could there. gorge yourself at a low, <laughs> at a low price. Not out of overhead, I would think in no. the food. They're basically you know you have your 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 um your beef your chicken and you know it's it's not and beans it's really pure, filling yeah pure profit you know so so yeah taco bell um with that maybe i will bring in our other fast food that is my 
dirty little secret that I love. And of course, it's going to be KFC. Kentucky Fried Chicken. I Now, do you know why they changed it to KFC? Would love to know why they changed it to KFC. Please tell they, me. They didn't want that they, they didn't want the words fried associated with it because ah, fr- that ah, was when that was when the first, you know, when people were like, "Oh, trans fats and fried, you know, it was they they wanted to ta- they wanted to somehow seem healthier. They did, they didn't change how they made the food. <laughs> no, they didn't. They uh, and that and that uh, it's worked. I mean, you know, I would always say we were going to go to Kentucky Fried Chicken as a kid, but now somehow it has entered into the vernacular that it's KFC. Which people is, were which, calling it KFC before it was good, they? before they did, you know. But I. But yeah, it does. I guess it does sound a little bit healthier than uh, than KFC than a Kentucky Fried Chicken to call it that. Yeah. It, it it has a it has a an interesting history. I mean, Kentucky Fried Chicken. It was actually founded by Colonel Harlan Sanders. Yep. And, and Who wasn't he, actually a colonel? He just decided no, he, he was going to be a colonel. Nothing at all. But but he you know he actually invented a process of frying chicken. In, if you will, picture it a a uh, pressure cooker, okay? Yep. And hadn't been done before. And if anyone wanted to try it, they had to buy his special cookers and uh, adhere to his strict rules and his his strict recipes. And a lot of people, and my father included, is one of these guys that says, "Ever since the Colonel died, Kentucky Fried Chicken was never the same." It. You know, maybe, I have maybe. news for your dad, though. He sold Kentucky Fried Chicken off a long time ago. <laughs> when he yeah. was a sp- when he was a spoke by the time he was a spokesman, he hadn't had anything to do with Kentucky Fried Chicken at all. He'd sold it off, and now he was just getting money as an me. actor, basically. You know? Yeah. Don't tell my old man, because because uh, he, uh, he it's one of his. If he goes and eats fast food, that is one of the. His favorite is Kentucky. Although you know what, he's actually becoming a Popeyes guy. He's starting to he's starting to like Popeyes a little well, bit. Well, I prefer Popeyes to Kentucky Fried Chicken. I uh, uh, where do you think the first Kentucky Fried Chicken opened? Take a guess. Oh, I can't remember. It was in the Midwest, though, wasn't it? It was somewhere like in the middle the, of nowhere, wasn't it? First Kentucky Fried Chicken that open was open in Utah of all yeah. places 1952 and I, I it's still there you can go to the original first Kentucky fried chicken and I have been there uh, I was there on one of my uh, layovers probably a good gosh maybe 15 years ago we had a layover there and, and I, well let's go look at the first KFC and it's there it has a plaque and the one thing they had that made it different from all the other Kentucky Fried Chickens was a all-you-can-eat fried chicken buffet. So Ooh. you would pay your money, and the and the buffet was there, and you could eat all of the chicken that you wanted. And it, and that's what uh, was different from any other Kentucky Fried Chicken that I've been. To. Also, the uh, it, it it was an old building. It's it it was a uh, still had that old look, but it was a historic nothing like a historic fast food place. Yeah. You know? Now I was trying to figure this out the other day, 
and I and I couldn't remember. Did they always have biscuits? I seem to remember biscuits. I think so. Not, I, for some reason, I seem to remember that uh, that that they didn't always have it. But maybe I'm wrong. I couldn't find anything on it. But I do remember the fruit, the little parfaits. Do you remember the desserts that they had? Yes. They would have you'd walk in and there'd be a glass like a case, and they would always have those little parfaits. I guess parfaits. Am I saying that right? Parfait. Yeah. Yeah. They, they would always have those in there with a the fake strawberry gloop and the, a few strawberries. Yeah. I love those things, and I still love the biscuits. And and uh, the Popeyes uh, biscuits are superior. Popeyes biscuits are godhead. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> oh well, how about the gravy? Everyone that I've talked to, and I've spoken to some people about what they love about Kentucky Fried Chicken, and the mashed potatoes are what they go for. I've never been the biggest fan. They taste kind of fake, but they're saying that they love that gravy. Whatever it is, they put into gravy on the mashed potatoes. It is it is theirs. They love it. Well, let me, um, it's funny, I got this opened right to the page in my Big Secrets book, uh, um, uh, but here's what, they're talking about the, talking about the gravy. Prior to 1964, the Kentucky Fried Chicken gravy was pure ambrosia. Quote, so good you can throw the chicken away and eat the gravy, boasted the colonel. But the new owners decided the gravy recipe was too labor intensive for a fast food operation and changed it. The result, charged Sanders, was, quote, wallpaper paste. (laughs) (laughs) And then it says, Kentucky Fried Chicken Gravy remains a mediocre product, while the Colonel's gravy recipe is presumably locked away, unused, in a company vault. Damn, we need to have some Mission Impossible shit and get that recipe, because... I, 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 the gravy that they have that I talk to my friends, they love it now. I can't imagine what it tasted like back then. I actually, I have a, I have a, um, a pressure cooker, and there are a lot of recipes for pressure cooker fried chicken. And mm-hmm. I haven't done it in a while, but I used to do chicken wings like that. And for a while, I did real chicken, and it comes out really good. I, it I comes still think really so, juicy. Yeah, I it. I still can't figure out it might might be dangerous as all hell, but you just fill up the your your pressure cooker with with a little bit of oil right to the line, and then you just put your chicken in there. Once it starts, once it gets the right temperature, screw that top on, and in about maybe seven minutes for for a whole for chicken pieces, they come out and man, it is good. So whatever they do. And I'm not sure. I assume they probably still cook the chicken the same way. I'm not sure if Popeyes. They do it. It's in a pre- uh, Colonel Sanders is definitely in. A, it's in a pressure cooker, and it's funny. I saw two. I saw a Wikipedia entry, and in the book, there's a different thing. But the trick is, you heat the oil up to a certain temperature, a higher temperature than you need. But in the book, it said what you want to do is. You, you have to get it right so when you dump the chicken in, which is cold or room temperature, that it takes, and it says in the book that it takes the oil down to, or takes the oil down to 250 degrees. And yeah. It, on Wikipedia, they said 185 degrees for the oil temperature. So that's, that's quite a, that's quite a spread there. But the, the, but whatever they do, there's a trick to like heating the oil 
so that it, you know, when you add the chicken to it, it's the proper temperature instead of having to heat up, which probably makes it really, really quick. Oh, it, it does. And, you know, there's a lot of memories associated with Kentucky Fried Chicken. I think it was the only fast food that if you were having people over for dinner, you never felt bad about some guy bringing over, not, you know, not making a casserole, but somebody would have No, it's always a treat for everyone. Over a bucket of fried chicken, and they were always, you would see homemade casseroles, homemade lasagna, and somewhere in the corner there would be a bucket of fried chicken, and that is what everybody yeah. would go for. Well, especially if you got original recipe, because original recipe is more like old country style fried chicken where you, you cook it to go on a picnic. So it's you, you cook it not even to eat hot. You eat it at room temperature. So right. it's, I mean, it's delicious hot, but it's also delicious room temperature. So that thing of KFC sitting there, if it gets cold, nobody's going to care. It tastes just as good. Are you a uh, an original recipe or an extra crunchy? I used to, I've been extra crunchy all my life until recently, and now I'm original really? recipe. Convert. Yeah, I because now I understand. Like, before I worked at a restaurant, food was really just something I put in my mouth to keep me going. So, you know, fried chicken was fried chicken. I never, you know, like going to Kentucky Fried Chicken was good, but that crappy fried chicken you would buy, like the frozen fried chicken you'd buy at the grocery store. Yeah, I would, I would eat that. Yeah. That stuff's terrible, you know. I would eat that and be like, oh, yum, yum, yum. <laughs> fried chicken. <laughs> Shit, fried chicken is just—it's fried chicken, man. I mean, it—it it is just. There, there used to be a little Jamaican restaurant that lasted for maybe like six months here, and every—I can't remember if it was Friday or Saturday. I think it was Friday. Every Friday, the woman that worked there made her own fried chicken, you know, in a stainless steel pan on the stove, and oh boy, it was just amazing. Not there anymore. Not that they didn't last long at all. Well, next time you come to visit, we are going to go, and we are going to have Korean fried chicken. Ooh. It is incredible. I, I think don't we drove that, by that place last time well, I was down we, there, and you we, might have mentioned we it. We drove by, obviously, it was a Jamaican place, mm. and we're talking about jerk chicken, but Korean fried chicken, I think they may use potato starch, and, and there's... They like to cut up the chicken into boneless pieces. Mm -hmm. It comes out so incredibly crunchy and so incredibly flavorful. It's kind of pointy. It's sort of like pointy tempura, isn't it, the way it looks? Yeah, it is. But the color is, it's a beautiful, like, amber color. Mm -hmm. And absolutely delicious. I'm down for that. Yeah, well, we're we're already talking about eating when when you come down again. But, you know, it, they've always um, went ahead and boasted about their 11 herbs and spices. And in your vast collection of books yep. in your underground grotto library that I I'm dug sure it out. Of, you actually found a little bit of uh, information on Kentucky Fried Chicken's recipe. Now, uh, if you listen to this podcast, after you listen to this, I'm afraid you're going to have to uh, kill yourself or burn your computer because this is need-to-know information. So I'm um, going to let you take it away and, and let us let everyone out there know what you found out about yeah. House Chicken. Well, this is a book uh, by William Poundstone called Big Secrets, and it's basically just – 
corporate secrets, just basically secret things from from anywhere from subliminal messages in movies to you know um, rumors about stuff like you know there's a lot of rumor busting like about the spider eggs and bubble yum gum, but there's also a whole section on fast food and just you know your favorite favorite stuff from the store like uh, you know like Yoohoo or Root Beer Dr. Pepper and um, they actually they yeah so I at first I was like oh I'll go get the recipe I knew that they had the recipe for Kentucky Fried Chicken in here but then I forgot it's not really a recipe because a most people are going to be pressure cooking their chicken which is one of the key th elements but yeah that's about it you know you're, you're, you're not really gonna replicate you know fast food because you don't have the it's made in in a certain way but these people actually got themselves some kentucky fried chicken and took it to a lab and broke it down sneaky bastards mm -hmm. and you want to know the shocking truth okay so what's the what's the what's the saying? Uh, Eleven herbs and spices. Eleven herbs and spices. And the thing, um, and and he always he always gave it away. He always said, yeah, salt and pepper's in there. But um, and uh, when any, when anybody else asked what any of the other stuff was, he wouldn't say. But he would say, you know, it could be found on anybody's shelf. Can you do you want to um, guess what any of them are? Well, if it can be found on anyone's shelf, how about uh, paprika? That would be my first guess. No. Okay. Uh, no paprika. So how, let's try the powders: garlic powder, onion powder. Oh, you want to hear the you want to hear the ugly truth about yes. Colonel Sanders' eleven herbs and spices? Go ahead. Well. No herbs were found in the sample at all. They found chicken cooking oil, which nowadays, depending on where you go, it's different in different countries and different sections of, of different countries. So depending on where you are, your, your, your KFC has different oil. All right, so it's got flour, of course, you know, is, is the main, main breading agent. There's no breadcrumbs. Um, they found skim milk and eggs, which is That's the your dredge. Oh, yep. Yeah. Okay. And uh, they think the milk was prob is probably powdered milk. Um, okay. I so now we get to the three flavoring ingredients. Three. None of which are herbs. Three: salt, black pepper, and we're talking a lot of salt. And a lot of black pepper. You can see the black pepper in it. Yeah. And then, what would you think number three would be? Monosodium glutinate. Yay! You got it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? No. That lying bastard. Now, they, they, they said, though, what they may do to get around that is, you know, every once in a while, somebody goes and throws a pinch of... <laughs> handful of herbs and spices well, into a humongous vat of it just to say that there's 11 herbs and spices in there but if they do it's on such an undetectable level that yeah, yeah salt pepper and msg 
Well, you should have known that that was going to be the case from a man that really wasn't a colonel. But I w- I'm betting that they probably did try it with a lot of herbs and spices, and they when they taste tested it, the people liked the one with just salt and pepper and MSG well, in you, it. In, interestingly enough, if you look at fried chicken recipes from old cookbooks and you look at people that make fried chicken at restaurants the old way in a cast iron skillet, there are not a lot of spices in it. No. It I mean, simple is often better. You know? Yeah, it is basically, if you're looking at fried chicken, and I and I, I fry chicken once in a while, and I love it, and I, I add about five or six different ingredients in there, but some of the recipes that I see, and a lot of them, I love old cookbooks, all that they have is flour, salt, and pepper. That's it. You know, and that's the way it was in the Well, because in, then you can tart it up any way you want to your own preferences. If you start adding a lot of different flavors to something like your fast food thing, then, you know, it starts... It, it, some, some people might really, really, really like it, like in a crazed way, but it might not work with the... You know, you might want... You just want to keep it simple for the general population, and they, they like salty and sweet. I'm very surprised there's no sh- there was no sugar in it. Hmm. Although right. sugar would 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 caramelize and turn it really dark, so that's probably why. Are you uh, of the school that monosodium glutinate is bad for you? No, it's salt. It's yeah, just a, I've, it's I've just never a kind been, of salt. I mean, I think I think you, I I think you can way overdo it. And there's def. Uh, my grandfather used to if he got into. Something with too many. If he got into a bag of Doritos, oh boy, he had splitting headaches and. Yeah, and, it's uh, it's been an important part of uh, Asian um, cooking mm-hmm. for forever. I mean, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong. I believe it's it's derived from uh, now. It's probably done chemically, but it used to be a product of uh, seaweed. Yes. That they, yeah. They no, I think it still is. I think it still and, is. And it, it is one of the uh, taste sensations that you get, uh, u- unami or umi, or unami. That, yes, yep. that you get from things like uh, mushrooms, uh, soy sauce. It, yep. In Asia, it is considered one of the of the tastes. And I think it's overused. That's all. I think people use it too heavy-handedly. I think if you're using monosodium glutamate, like if you're doing fancy cooking with with monosodium glutamate, or you're trying, you know doing cooking for yourself you would just put the tiniest bit in it just to bring out the those flavor the unami flavors you know when i used to make cream soups my trick was white pepper um, white pepper is a great a great great spice i Under used to, i i use white pepper subli- like if i want peppery flavor i use black pepper yeah. but if i want if i want to just put something into that soup that makes people go like wow What's going on here? It's like literally just like the most subliminal little like pixie it's fart a, worth of of white pepper in there. Just a dusting that you would never think you would detect. No, it's it's underused in in Western cooking. Uh, it's just black pepper with the outer shell with taken. the holes off it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's what I use in my fried chicken. I I put white pepper in there, and uh, I love it. I put white pepper on every anytime I get Chinese food, I'll always sprinkle white pepper on it uh, before I eat it. it. It to me that is 
a great spice. I love it. But uh, yeah, that it, it didn't surprise me that that MSG wasn't Kentucky Fried Chicken. But I could have sworn that there would have been more, more, uh, more ingredients. Anything? It's, yeah. Yeah. No. Well, now now that I'm now that I'm craving uh, chicken, maybe uh, maybe you and I would uh, should go out and get some chicken and maybe let our uh, our uh, two skeezy little uh, Colonel like friends in to discuss the uh the other part of our show yeah and if we uh if we leave some of that chicken out might draw some blowflies yeah we'll be right back (laughs) hey everyone Faithful friend and acolyte of the two true freaks, and gallant co-host of the Vault of Starling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, Hair Metal Hero here. Are you like me? Well, obviously you aren't as awesome as me in my mellifluous singing voice, but that's forgivable. Moving on, do you like to attend cons? Of course you do. I mean, I don't. But that's only because if I want to be seriously depressed and grossed out, I just stand naked in front of a full-length mirror. Ladies, call me. But if you do attend cons, you know what the biggest downside is? No, it's not the registration line, or the mobs of people, or the insane markup on bootlegs of the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's the dreaded con funk. Yeah, that's right. It's that one-of-a-kind pungent aroma that smells like stale piss, rotten Doritos, and days upon days of mouth-breathing, eyeball-licking, basement-dwelling nerd B.O. Well, I'm here to tell you that help is on the way from none other than all the hard-working scientists here at DiManzo Corp Advanced Olfactory Labs, deep below the bowels of Milan, Italy. Dufo has graciously provided a sizable grant for scent research in the brave hope that one day he can finally attend a big show, incognito of course, without having to continuously retch and gasp. And let me tell you folks, this shit works. What is it you ask? Why it's none other than Con Funk Soap. Yes, that's right. Con Funk Soap contains copious amounts of bleach, rose petal extract, and the dried up essence of the tears of the unborn. That's where the power lies. It's guaranteed to make the average congoer who smells like a flowering anus go from repugnant to tolerable. Just slather it on and let it soak in, rinse, and repeat. Don't forget to get your grundles and fupas some extra attention. Hey, no one is saying don't attend the cons, but now you don't have to smell like you do. That's Con Funk Soap, another fine product from DeManzacorp. Con Funk Soap, it's the least you can do. DeManzacorp of Milan, Italy takes no legal responsibility for allergic reaction to baby tears. Ladies and gentlemen, here is once again, the greatest thing in town, Tell me who's slick, with a six-inch dick. Who's got class, who loves female ass.
Welcome to Beat It. Just Beat It. Uh, uh, The second half of a podcast called Eat It and Beat It. And this is the X-rated part. I usually say the pornographic part, but we're not going strictly into pornography. We're going into X-rated land, although it does get very explicit. Oh boy, does it ever. I am your host, one of your hosts, Grandmaster Flash, and I'm here with my co-host, Fly on Walls. I like to watch. Hello. Hello to you. And and uh, as our co-podcasters mentioned on the first half of the show, uh, our two topics were just too big to do one show on. And again, you introduced me to yet another uh, topic or another singer or a person that, that I just loved. Uh, and you did the same thing with, with Russ Myers to me, and and uh, I've had a fascination since you uh, introduced our topic today. And I'll have you go ahead and uh, don't keep people in suspense. Let let them know who we're going to talk about. The man, the legend, the the original dirty rapper. Yes, Mr. Clarence Henry Reed, better known as Blowfly. Oh. Man, he was a dirty, dirty man. Oh, and dirty is not is is almost too kind of a word to filthy, filthy. Yeah, filthy uh, stuff that you want to maybe take a shower after you listen to it. Uh, turn it down when somebody <laughs> definitely headphone uh, earbud type music. I think, but man. You know what? Though, you know what? Though that's funny because that's the opposite of what it was intended for. Oh, absolutely! It's party music. It was meant to be played with as many people listening as possible. Oh. I mean, I'm gonna throw this out, and I want to know if you think that this is a that this is correct. Would you say that that you could almost compare Blowfly to Weird Al Yankovic? Yeah, he's of course was not as successful as Weird Al Yankovic, <clears throat> but he. I would, I would give him a little more. I want to give him a little more credit than Weird Al Yankovic because I like him better than Weird Al Yankovic, and I was gonna say, but Blowfly is also a songwriter and producer. Yes, uh, and yes. not Blowfly, but Clarence Reed was for for you know for. For a lot of soul acts, for Casey and the Sun, he wrote songs for Casey and the Sunshine Band and produced some of their songs. Hey, 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 hey,
produced though. He 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 was responsible for a lot of good good R and B music. But then again, I I am remembering that Weird Al has produced a, a few rock albums on his own too. So yeah, that yeah, they're very they're very similar. Um, Blowfly, of course, was not the success story that Weird Al Yankovic is. He was not, but on the line, on the same page as Weird Al, Blowfly could take a song that was incredibly popular at the time. And beautiful. And 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 beautiful. And turn it into (laughs) the filthiest, filthiest song with his own lyrics and and that was his his thing. I mean, the guy could write. He did have chops as a songwriter, and that. Uh, and do you as think, a performer of his own songs, perform- he had a few albums, and you know, and, and it was really good. Uh, do you think that that you know he changed his name to Blowfly? From what I read, is because he was afraid that people wouldn't you know take him seriously as a songwriter anymore and he might not find work but later on he did actually you know produce a few albums under the real his real name you know Clarence Reed uh, do you think that that was the main reason why he took this uh, blowfly personality or that maybe he just wanted to do it because it was fun maybe it wasn't that big a secret maybe everyone it knew was, it was both but uh, um, blowfly garnered more if he went if he showed up in a club as blowfly He's gonna get more people than if he showed up as Clarence Reed. Was it Clarence a Reed was a, Clarence Reed himself as a performer wasn't burning up the charts. So he had some hits through other people, but you know he'd get producer credit, you know, underneath it, you know, and 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 unless you're like Phil Spector or something like that, nobody really pays, you know, you know, if he just showed up in Rochester and was like Clarence Reed, there'd be there would be a few people who would go like, "Oh my God, Clarence Reed!" and go out to see him. But when Blowfly shows up, there's a lot more people who've heard, you know, um, "Who did I eat last night?" or "Shitting on the Dock of the Bay" than they have any of it, any of his other songs. So, do you think it was a secret though? Do you think that they try? That- I think he liked it. To, it was. I mean, you could figure it out, and you could find out, and, you know, people knew when they would do interviews and stuff, but um, there was a moment when, um, when uh, um, I, we were really, we were interviewing him, we were just talking to him with the, with the rabbit puppet for our public access show, and our friend Fennel, who was a huge fan of him, mentioned, he's like, well, what about Clarence Reed? And Blowfly goes, Clarence Reed and I do not get along. We don't, we don't, we don't talk about each other. We don't, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, played it off like that. But yeah, it was, yeah. it was obvious. He was like, nope, don't bring up Clarence Reed. They're not, the Clarence Reed world and the Blowfly world do not, do not mix. In, 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 especially in a public performing type of way. If you were working on his biography or something, I'm sure that, you know, and there, there's a there's a great um, documentary called "The Weird World of Blowfly" that you can see on on YouTube, where and they, you know, where it. they obviously, you know, the, it's obvious he's the, you know, you see him in and out of the con- costume and looking at the old, and they're talking about his old records. So it wasn't like a strict secret, but he de- and and by that point, you know, I mean there was a certain point in time where he gave up 
trying to make money on Clarence Reed. He was he he went broke and ended up selling all his back catalog yeah. at one point. So really it was almost more important to be you know it didn't really matter to mix it because he wasn't really worrying about like ruining the reputation of clarence reed because because of future it wasn't working hits yeah the the future pop hits were 30 years behind him you know that was in the 60s and early 70s and uh everything after that his career was pretty much blowfly you know so let's for people that don't um we touched on blowfly a little bit on our last episode Mm -hmm. But if you uh, if you haven't uh, heard about Blowfly, you know we mentioned his real name was Clarence Henry Reed, and he was born in uh, February uh, 1939. He came from Cochrane, Georgia, which I actually knew someone from Cochrane, Georgia, and uh, and he you know he was uh, basically just a, a vocalist, songwriter, producer, a comedian, rapper. Uh, he did a lot of work under the TK Records label. And you may say, well, where the hell did he come up with the name Blowfly? But uh, I did a little research, and uh, Clarence Reed, he, he earned the name Blowfly uh, from his grandmother. And yep. <laughs> uh, used to tell him that you is nastier than a Blowfly after hearing him sing Do the Twist as Suck My Dick when he was six years old, believe it or not. And he started recording these triple X, and that's a good way to put it. They really are triple X parodies of popular songs. Yeah, and he, he, he doesn't care what he says. They oh, are raunchy. Does not. And raunchy is, is an even better way to put it. And he, had, he adopted the, uh, the Blowfly name, uh, like we were mentioning, to protect his uh, successful, uh, at the time, uh, chart-topping career. Yeah, he was sort of a superhero slash supervillain persona. He had a, has a everything is studded with with you know rhinestones and and sparkly glittery things. And he has he has a you know a, a superhero outfit like a luchador like a, yeah, a luchador luchador wrestling. sort of cap and then a cape. <laughs> I am the result of an experiment that went wrong. Whenever a chick would call me a bastard while we were fucking, my dick would become four feet long. Yeah. I'm going to tell you the story of a scientist who experiments with very hard. He dreamed of creating a formula that would make men dick stay hard. He appetized in a paper some lucky guy who needed a gig. So I went to apply for the motherfucking job, not knowing I would be a guinea pig. He said, just stay calm. I promise you, you won't get hurt. I've tried this shit on frogs and hogs, and I tell you, goddammit, it worked. He said, you see this shit here in this needle? It's gonna change your whole motherfucking life. He said, when I get through with that prick of yours, I'm gonna let you try it out on my wife. Yeah. Yeah. And and he parodied, uh, you know, any any uh, any song that was was popular. He the chances are he did a filthy, filthy, filthy yep. parody. I mean, of he it. sort of started out just doing R and B songs, and then as time go went on, he would brand, like I think his last album was all punk rock songs. How important is was Blowfly? Uh, uh, Blowfly's not he's not around anymore, unfortunately. Blowfly passed away on January 17th of 2016. He was 76 years old 
and uh, he's not around anymore. But how much influence do you think he had on rap music, gangster huge, rap? Huge, 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 huge. You can find the rappers who will, you know, when if you go watch the the Weird World of Blowfly, you'll see like Ice T and Chuck D from Public Enemy talking about when they were little kids, you know, and their parents would have a party and, and hear the and they'd check out. Blowfly Records, which would have naked ladies on the covers and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, hugely, hugely, you, you know. I mean, sort of, the, you know, a lot of times people want to sort of almost lay rap on Blowfly's feet, which I don't agree with. He wasn't really as much... He was a rapper, but he, he would do raps. He would talk in a song. But it was mostly really... You know, song parodies. He would. He had a good voice, and he would sing. He had a great voice, and he would sing. You know, the soul songs of the day with with raunchy lyrics. If you want to go to who is like, like more rap, you would want to go to um, um, Dolomite, hmm. uh, who was you know straight up. He didn't sing. He, he it was he. You know, they were called toasts when he was learning them, but it was it, they were basically primordial rats, you know. Way down in the jungle, the badass lion stuff don't signify much. The monkey said, "Motherfucker, can't you see why you standing on my goddamn feet?" Right on. I ain't heard a word you said. Said if you say three more, I'll be stepping on your motherfucking head. And I think basically between Dolomite and Blowfly, that that gives you any that gives you any kind of um, R and B or rap music from that point on that's got a dirty edge to it. Your two live crews, you know, your um, even like Funkadelic to some extent, you know, with the costume and the and Funkadelic will get pretty raunchy too, you know. Or at yeah. least that that freedom to be to be like dirty, <laughs> to 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 like explicitly acknowledge that this music that usually has really nice lyrics or lyrics that are double entendre, to yeah. to bring it right out front, and he's you know and he's singing in the the beautiful soul voice <laughs> about the most horrifying things. Horrifying. He really did have a great voice, and you know it did. I don't want. He he did land in some legal trouble for a while. He was he was sued uh, by songwriter uh, Stanley Adams, who at the time was the ASCAP president, and for spoofing "What a Difference a Day Makes" as "What a Difference a Lay Makes." What a difference a lay makes. Three hours of screwing. Without it, I was ruined. Until I met you My yesterday was so dusty My brick was so rusty And now my black ass is musty From coming in you 
What a difference But these these things were thrown out of court because it all fell under parody. It's parody, yeah. Really wasn't there? Really wasn't much anyone could do about it. No, but they could. The, the, but that sort of stuff. That's the, that stuff really pisses me off because the guy, the guy being who he was, he knew that he didn't have a claim on Blowfly. But yeah. At the same time, he knows that this could land a significant financial blow on someone like Clarence Reed. You know. Sure. If you have to spend the money to defend yourself, I mean, record stores, record stores, they couldn't even, you know, some they weren't even allowed. Uh, they were prosecuted for even selling Blowfly albums, right. which brought us back to a t- what we mentioned on our last show about the whole uh, party record, uh, you know, phenomenon of the the fifties and sixties and maybe early seventies. How would you? go about getting an album from somebody like Blowfly in those days. Could you walk into a record store? Was it head shops? It probably depends on the record store, but you would probably no, you would probably go into a record store in a poorer part of town. You would have to go to a record store that was probably more you know um, catering to to a, a, a black audience you know so it would be full of music that people would play at parties and you'd probably have to ask about blow you know they'd probably bring out a box from behind the the you know I mean nowadays you know you could put you could put them up front but sure I mean up, even up into the 80s there was trouble with that sort of stuff with like dead Kennedys who actually well, who had their same troubles, and that—that's where Blowfly ended up on was Alternative Tentacles, the yeah. Kennedy's label that was formed by Jello Biafra. It, it amazes me that somebody that sang, you know, the type of songs he did. It must have been tough to get a following, I guess, because you know you didn't have internet. You, you, his songs certainly weren't played on the radio. They they may have been played, but in there dance. was a way to do it in those days. I mean, there was you you passed the records around, and 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 I mean, really, people would have. I mean, people would have parties and stuff like that. That Blowfly record. I mean, I remember back in when I was a, a little kid, my friends would grab their parents' Cheech and Chong records and tape them, and we'd pass the tapes around. Sure, and, sure. And none of us could go out and buy a Cheech and Chong record, but we knew all the Cheech and Chong, and even the kids who didn't have the records would learn them from the other kids who'd learned them off the re- learned the skits off the records and would tell them about them. So, you know, word of mouth gets around, and. Um, and and as you go back in time too, Clarence Reed did have a little bit of he had a lot of sway in his local area, and and then you know a bit of you know being known in the national scope. He had he had a few songs. One of the Blowfly songs like got up to like number twenty two on the R and B, you know, top forty once. <laughs> Blowfly, 
carrying a load. Feeling more sexy than a pregnant toad. Checking out the scene on my CB, cause I don't want no bears fucking with me. That's a big 10 for good buddy. Yeah. Unbelievably. Yeah. The guy was prolific. And and one thing about him was that he always kept with the times. I mean, when the Incredible Hulk was doing well on TV, <laughs> he came out with a song called The Incredible Folk, F-U-L-K. For, you know, he couldn't use Hulk, so he didn't want to get so he changed that. Yeah, and you might as well change it as close to fuck as you can. <laughs> His song Convoy came out at the exact time when the whole trucker phase was going on in music. And and you had a bunch of songs about truckers and and then of course he did Blowfly versus Darth Vader mm-hmm. at the, when Star Wars came out. Way in the near future, controlled by my calculator. On just the brand, Terrafield Air and Blowfly met Darth Vader. Yeah. He left women pussies filled with steel, and they heart filled with fear. He said, I'm Doug Vader, my cool operator, and I control the atmosphere. Again and again, he kicked the ass of the men and left their eyes filled with tears. He fucked all the hoes and left the cunts with souls. Things had been that way for years. The captain called me in and said, my friend, we are about to come a thing of the past. If you don't do something about Doug Vader, he gonna fuck all of us in the ass. He was doing R. Kelly songs when, uh... Oh, when I saw him here in Rochester. So he was keeping right, you know, that was when I believe I can fly was a big hit. He kept up with the times. Uh, One of his, one of the the songs I enjoyed listening to a lot was uh, She's Got a Wiener. One month ago today, I was straight as an egg shop. But now I go for walks to hit the bathroom at the park. I was tired of the same old witch. I wanted to find a new bitch <laughs> to suck my dick today. Usually after I fuck a bitch, I smile and ask her name. But I got real freaked out when the last one said it's Jamie. No Which is uh, a direct ripoff of the Chantilly's song, uh, the, not Chantilly's, the, the Shy Life song, Have You Seen Her? Uh, right down to when you're listening to it, you say, okay, I think I know what this song is. And then all of a sudden, Blowfly will come on with the filthiest lyrics that you've ever heard in your life. But it, that particular song, it's just, it, it almost sounds nice. Yeah. You know? They even have a couple of you know backup singers coming on, just just as they did in uh, in uh, Have You Seen Her? It's well, just well, he always has. Blowfly always has his. Whenever if Blowfly comes to town, well, he doesn't anymore. But in the last years of Blowfly, like he wasn't in the greatest voice. He still put on a full show, but his voice wasn't. You know, it was, he's an old man. But you know you were you know you were going to see Blowfly, but then a song or two in, you realized I'm seeing a top-notch R&B band. They're yeah. not slacking off. As a matter of fact, they're playing hard, like 
in the old, you know, they're 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 playing like they're backing up Otis Redding, you know, and they were, you know, really into the really good, you know, they had heart and grit to them and were tight, and uh, it was it was pretty amazing, especially yeah, for they, a man of his age, you know, doing yeah. an hour an hour and a half of entertainment on the stage in a very heavy hot outfit that covered his entire body you were in the unique uh you've had the unique experience of actually meeting yes and and talking to him uh i can you talk a little bit about it what was it what was it like i mean for a guy like me that that didn't didn't even know he existed until you turned me on to him uh well he's incredibly generous he's an incredibly generous nice person like he was not, you know, he was old, grumpy, and in pain, you know, uh, 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 tour, the rigors of touring on just a 20-year-old will kill you. Now, he worked, did he work right up until, how how long well, would you Well, he, he was, he, he, like, he didn't, yeah, pretty much right up until he died, you know, there was... There was a, a year where he stopped touring, and then that was pretty much it. You know, once he didn't tour for a year, everybody was like, uh, and then, then my roommate got word from his drummer Tom that that he was in hospice with liver cancer. So we were like, oh, it's only a matter of time. And it was a couple months later. That was more like four it, months later. He had a pretty impressive uh, catalog of songs. I mean, he he. I think he went right up until. Uh, even Prince, like he did uh, when Doves Come. His last, his last record came out in 2000. He finished it just before he died. It came out in 2006, the same year he died. So yeah, he was not. He did not stop. So he's I, one of those this guy Tom from Alternative Tentacles sort of like pulled him, sort of. And this is this is a sad thing about guys like him, and um, oh. Um, now I'm trying to remember the guy's name. You ever heard the song Rock and Roll McDonald's? No. Um, I, Clarence... Oh, I want to say Clarence Clemens, but that's the sax player for... <laughs> for, for Bruce Springsteen. But there, he was, this guy, he was a street person, and he had... Um, I don't know what was what was wrong. He had he was he, I think he was schizophrenic, and other things. Wesley Willis. Wesley Willis. Yeah. Wesley Willis, and he was also on the the Alternative Tentacles touring thing, and Alternative Tentacles. I gotta say, at first I thought they were being kind of exploitive of Wesley Willis, and then I start realizing with Blowfly. That these are, I mean, Blowfly sold his entire catalog when he was broke, and millions of dollars worth of music potentially got and was living in poverty. And this well, guy, it's a lot of people that we yeah, talk on this yeah. show, porn stars, and they all there aren't a lot of happy endings. Well, well, putting out albums and touring them around gives them something, gives them you know something to do. And they're being—they were being like brought out there by people who who are of a younger generation who have discovered them and admire them, and like respect them. And 
going on tour or something like that, that's a good way to get some money to Blowfly that's tax-free, you know? Probably, sure, and how did, how did you discover him? I discovered him in college because, and, and you've met my friend Mike Cross when we came yeah. down for ELO. Mike Cross, when we lived in college, worked in a record store called the Record Archive, which was a used record, mostly used, it's a new record store too, but it's mostly used records. And at the time, they had this gigantic warehouse full of records that they would restock their store with. And once a month, he would, the owner would send a few Mike and a few other guys to the warehouse and have them just sort records, sort them, and get them ready to go into the store. And he gave each one of the guys a, card, a nice big cardboard box and said, you get to fill this box up every time you work whatever you want just put it in this box and that was his anti-theft slash sure. good know, idea slash you know that that was the only way also that he could get people to go do that job in the hot warehouse so um mike would come back once a month with a big box full of old you know records and uh and Mike had a good eye and Mike also like knew that we we also threw parties every two weeks so we had a lot of dolomite a lot of blowfly a lot of lot of party records and 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 old comedy lots of old red fox and stuff like that yeah. so it, that was that we would actually play blowfly records during a party and people would stop and start listening and start like dancing and like woo and like yeah and it's one of those things where if you were just a guy and started doing that in a party you probably couldn't get away with it ladies would start looking at you askance and somebody would be like dude come on man that's pretty rude blowfly <laughs> no problemo no it's fun music that that blowfly would be saying terrible that. things to women and all they would do is flip him off and keep dancing, you know? Yeah, I mean, awful things. I shared awful, some of Awful, misogynistic. I shared some of his songs with some friends of mine, and they would listen to it and laugh and go, why have I never heard of this guy and why I have never heard of, of this music before? And so when you got to meet him, did you get to ask him questions? And... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. He's generous. He was just... That's that's the thing. He told us this whole involved story, and he's told it a million times because I saw it. I saw a version of it, in at least part of it in his uh, in the documentary on him. But like the whole, you know, the whole story of his grandmother calling him a blowfly. You know, he and his brothers got sent to work in the fields when they were little kids, so they were getting a buck to, buck a day to work in the fields. And he would take, you know, the song. He would he would start singing dirty, be a little kid singing dirty lyrics, and uh, people would start giving him money. <laughs> and that's how his grandmother got pissed at him one day because he came back with thirty bucks and said, "Here's my here's my money." And she's like, "How the hell did you get thirty dollars?" She's like, "Are you crazy? Are you ripping off them white men? You know, you know that's not a good idea." And he's like, "No, they give it to me." And she's just like, "Bullshit!" And he's like, she's like, "Why do they give it to you?" And, that's that's when he started showing her raps and she called him a blowfly. But yeah, he he was Now it helped that he was surrounded by and like I said, some of his lyrics are like awful if you're a woman. <laughs> oh, absolutely awful. Too, there's I mean, one I... song called Too Fat to Fuck. She's too fat. 
Too Fat to Fuck. When he performed Too Fat to Fuck, he found the fattest girl <laughs> and said, Hey, baby, come up here to the front. I got a song for you. <laughs> and brought brought her right up. And, and I'm like, oh, this is awful. She was, la you know, I mean, he pulls it off. You know, he has a person. She was into it, you know, and he knew that, like, I think when you just put it out there like that and, and my friend who was a huge fan of him was probably one of the gayest people I've ever met you know just flame on you know Fennel Skellyman and um, and 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 you know I mean some of his lyrics the, the, the lyrics especially you know I mean just faggot this faggot that yeah, I mean, uh, you know, just all sorts of. But then again, he'll sing about like uh, sodomizing, you know, George Bush too. <laughs> and you know, his song "YMC Gay" is mm -hmm. <laughs> a fun song. And the, no, all the, the stuff, all the stuff about well, gay people. My friend Spettles like like clapping his hands it. together with glee. Yeah. yeah, my my friends that I shared the music with are gay. And they have no problem. And I think he knew that. I need. I think he knew that a lot of his musics are going to be played in the gay clubs. Pe and people, know, and people respect someone who just is like they're, they're respecting his balls to just like say the rudest stuff possible. And then you realize, oh, this is fun. This guy isn't trying to be mean to anybody. As a matter of fact, you know, he's just trying to see how deep he can dig you know and yeah. once you get that and get start get going with it it becomes you know you're waiting for him to rip on you you know <laughs> there's a faggot swell it's a faggot swell but it would be nothing nothing without a bullet upon the girl A man screws a woman until his joint gets numb. But a bull like a pleases a woman by using the tongue. A poor man tries to please a woman in every way he can. But there's always a widow around. Yeah, you couldn't. Me next. Me next. You know, I I thought about. You know, we've talked about the lyrics, and I thought, well, maybe I should read some of the lyrics, but it doesn't do it justice. I can't sit here no. and read. No, they the sound lyrics. stupid I, if you just I, read them. It wouldn't do you justice. I mean, what you have to do is you've got to go to YouTube, and you got to pull up some of these songs that that we're talking about, and. You know, you and I are saying, "Oh yeah, they're filthy, they're filthy," but, but man, they are, they are. He talks about bodily uh, fluids and organs with no regard for <laughs> anything. <laughs> I have to say, it's probably the filthiest music I've heard. Would you, is there anyone out there that you think that could possibly top the Blowfly? In no, in you know, no. I mean, I thought I, I thought Steel Panther was pretty 
filthy. Yeah. But it's but, a different kind of fi filthy. Yeah, they have nothing on Blowfly. No, Blowfly's got this grit to him that's like... And Dolomite, Dolomite wasn't as dirty. Dolomite, but Dolomite would get kind of dirty every once in a while. But yeah, there was there was there was a, a grit to it and a rawness that is usually missing from other other raunchy stuff and like even stuff like Doctor Dirty John Valby. It's yeah. like it's like jokey rhymes and stuff. It's not just you know. Blowfly's going for the lowest common denominator. He's diving right to the bottom and wallowing in it and, and rubbing bottom, your face in a it. A bottom feeder. Uh, but I love it. Oh, it's, yeah. That's what it, makes it. I mean, Dr. Dirty, you know, he's banging away at the piano, and it's fun to listen to. But when you listen to Blowfly, you can't He's not witty. Notice. Yeah, you can't help but notice that this guy put a lot of time and effort into the music, and it's it's good music. It sounds great to this day. It I'm surprised that it's we not don't... made to th to think about. It's not made to be like, oh, what a witty rhyme that Blowfly is doing. It's meant to be just bluntly, shockingly fun. You know. So so shocking that you know all it can do is elicit a laugh, and then once you start laughing, and it keeps getting ruder, you know you're caught up in it. And and like like I said, when when I was hanging around him, I think we were we were getting a lot of uh, you know I think he was a lot happier about us being around because I'm with my roommate Trudy, and she's got her friend Chopsticks there, you know, and. He had he had them walk her walk him up onto the stage. You know he had the girls walk him up onto the stage. You know just so that's all they did. They just walked him up onto the stage and walked off. You know here's two girls. Here's these two and yeah. bo both Trudy and Chopsticks are kind of legendary in the Rochester circles as being strong, strong women that like scared a lot of guys and then all of a sudden they see them bringing out Blowfly. <laughs> But I, but I mean, he was obviously old and in pain, and he was like, basically just running a running commentary with us, and just, you know, being very gracious and very, very open. You know, he didn't care that we were there. He was at. I mean, they were really happy because Trudy had made Trudy, my roommate, became Blowfly's costume designer in his last years. His costumer. So when, when when you watch the Weird World of Blowfly in the first part, you see him wiggling into that costume that was made in my house. I got to see that. I I I, I was I was I was part and process of the shopping for the materials and watching it go together. I even had it like on me a few times to to uh, you know to to fit things and to to size up things. Awesome. Now Clarence Reed had a great voice. Now, does Clarence Reed make it on his own as Clarence Reed? Do you think that he yeah. had the chance to do that? Oh, and yeah. Make as a singer himself? Or do you think that his Blowfly persona was something that he enjoyed doing more?
I think he enjoyed it doing it more, but he was. I think he was planning for it to be like a fun thing he could do. The, I mean, like, it, I, when I listen to Clarence Reed's solo work, or, you know, his records that he made for himself, he's got a really good voice, but he's not, like, top, you know, top-tier soul singer. He's not, like, uh, awe you with his voice. It's a little, gra- it's got a little gravel to it. Yeah. But he knows how to work it. And and his and his songs are really well written, and also the music is really well written. So I mean, he you know I mean, I wouldn't put him in the I wouldn't put him up with the like the Otis Reddings or the Sam Cooks or anything like that. But he was way beyond like someone who would reach local. You know he he would he should he should be more in the pantheon of great rock. You know, soul producers of his time, and you know his story, his story, and the bands that he worked with and stuff is is quite an achievement. You know, and when you see when you see the house that he lived it, lived in in the last few years of your life, it's just the saddest thing in the world. Yeah, sure, and it's because people in his time period just they got screwed. The music business was not kind <laughs> to no, black musicians what- in those times. They got screwed out of a lot of money. And they they, oh, yeah. they they were you know they were they were they sold a lot of their stuff you know and instead of keeping it you know he I mean he was a guy who like we've mentioned at six years old found that he had a knack for being filthy and probably this propelled him he knew that this is if he was going to have fun and make a, a you know, a living at it. This is what he, I, I get the impression that that this is what he loved to do. That he could he could probably hear any song on the radio, and right away his mind was working at going, yeah. "Oh, how can I change right? but this the, lyric the, of the song to something filthy?" The the, the money making potential of Blowfly though is minuscule compared yeah. to if you get a real t- you know a, a real number one hit. <laughs> So if, if he got a real number one hit with one of his artists or one of his songs, that could, you know, <clears throat> if if you handle it correctly, which nobody did in those days, that you know, a uh, 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 you know, a sitting on the dock of the bay or something like that could keep you in a house for the rest of your life. You know what yeah. I mean? So you would say it was a labor of of love, almost. Yeah. I mean, oh yeah, I, yeah, and it was probably a way to make a little bit of money. And stuff, but I think his his you know his main career was the one that he was like hoping that would you know make him into a Barry Gordy or something down the line, you know. And it, it, it could have possibly happened too, you know. He could have he could have gotten taken that route, but it just didn't work out that way, you know. Now, if you listen to his songs, you're gonna see that that he had a good time singing these things. And if you're lucky, if you can find some that were recorded live, like you said, the audience is hooting and hollering and having a good time. There's a lot of footage of him out there, too. And even when you listen to a song that's not recorded live, he's laughing and he's having a ball and, and he loves it. We love it. 
Oh, yeah, I, I, it was definitely a spiritual moment for me, listening <laughs> shitting on the dock of the bay, watching my turd float away. Floating away. <laughs> so, sitting so, yeah. on the dock of the bay, making a stink. Oh, wonderful. But um, I'm I, another person that I am glad that you introduced me to, to listen to, because I've had a lot of fun, and I'm sure some of the guys I hang around with are going to have a lot of fun with Blowfly. And uh, next time we get together, I think we know what uh, music we're going to have to play in the alley. You know what records to start looking for now at garage sales, too. I, since meeting you, I've been looking for a lot <laughs> at garage sales. And a lot of it I find and send to you. Because <laughs> I know this Excellent. is something that, that you're going to need. My plan is working. Yes, you, 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 you're a regular filth Svengali. <laughs> so, uh, that's Blowfly. So, yeah, we have we have some rough plans for next time, but you know what? We're not going to tell you what the hell they are. <laughs> We're not going to tell you, but but uh, I will say that that it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. We're, we we hope you've enjoyed this two part series on uh, music and junk food but I can say that for our next uh, episode we're gonna go back to our to our filth roots yeah uh, we're getting creamy and horny on this yeah on this let's one. let's just put it like that it's it's a topic that both of us another topic you turn me on to both of us love but we're not gonna tell you we're not going to uh, we'll just we'll just uh, give you a little foreplay get you ready for uh, for next for uh, our next show. So, there you have it. Go listen to some Blowfly. Do some downloading and put those earbuds on. For God's sakes, if anyone's home that you don't want to listen to, turn it up. <laughs> I bet he did do Sweet Home Alabama at some point. <laughs> oh, he was thinking about it. He was thinking about it. So raise your glass. Raise your glass to Blowfly. He brought up a lot of enjoyment to a lot of people. And hopefully our little show will turn you on to him and uh, and he can smile down upon you and uh, do something upon you. Yep. Maybe not smile. Maybe he'll give you a little something else. Go to our Eat It and Beat It page on Facebook and I'll be posting lots of Blowfly video for you guys to watch, including the famous interview with Pisspot the Rabbit and, and wow. Blowfly where he, he, he personally insults... Pisspot the Rabbit, one of my most... It was such an honor. <laughs> uh, Don Rickles. Yes, I got Don... I got Rickled. It was great. <laughs> Come see the rabbit get Rickled. Yeah. Rickle well, rolled. Rick <laughs> you, so you got... So you got Blowflied. Yes. <laughs> oh, this was...
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled... T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. Dysenterium, bone bearing, tick catching, police scratching, lice you racing, hoe chasing, no growling, bull moon howling, no listen, five drum pissing, no bucket, bone hocking, collar, carrying, hound, marin, cat beating, elbow eating, point you for major mutt, breast smell like one do slash the butt, I'm out of the cut, don't like your strut, that's it, I'm out of here. Whoa, whoa.